Trigger warning, this episode of Below the Forest Floor contains themes of suicide, death, murder, and may not be suitable for young children. Caution is advised. Welcome to Below the Forest Floor. My name is Nancy and today we are going to be discussing one of the most famous creatures of all time, the vampire. Although in recent years, the vampire has been watered down to become a lonely, romantic human that just so happens to drink blood and can't go outside on a nice summer day, they were once one of the most feared creatures in history. The story I always heard growing up was that a vampire was a person who would go to people's homes late at night looking for someone who would be willing to invite them in. They weren't able to enter people's homes unless they were invited in. Once they were in though, they would take the opportunity to strike. The unsuspecting victim was bitten on the neck and all of their blood was consumed by the monster they'd let into their home. The only way to defeat a vampire was a stake through the heart and to ward them off you needed a cross, holy water, and garlic. My dad always kept these at our front door just in case though. Silly? Some may think so, but with the kinds of things my family had experienced with the supernatural, I don't blame him. I did always wonder where this fear arose from and asked my dad if he had had any stories. He always seemed really uncomfortable when I would ask these questions to change the subject, so that was kind of weird. Where exactly did these vampires even come from though? Where did they originate from? Well, this changes depending on who's telling the story. For example, some people believe that a man named Vlad the Impaler is the father of all these spooky little bloodsuckers because of some pretty bad things he did. Vlad the Impaler is the nickname of a real-life Romanian prince named Vlad III Dracula. Yep, you heard that right, Dracula. No, this guy wasn't a real vampire himself, and Bram Stoker, the author of Dracula, never mentioned him as inspiration for the book, but Vlad was a power-hungry man who tortured his enemies to the fullest extent by impaling them on spears while they were still alive. I'm still not sure how this makes him the father of vampires, but that's what some people believe. Others claim that Lucifer is the father of all vampires and that they are just another kind of demon forced to wander the earth creating more demons and never being satisfied with their hunger. This is where I'm sure the whole holy water and cross protection thing came around. Another origin actually mentioned in the Bible is of a female demon who may be a vampire. You can find the first mention of her in Proverbs 30. Her name is Aluka and she lusts after blood. Now, some say that real vampires originated from the 1897 book Dracula by Bram Stoker. Well, Dracula was actually inspired by another book written and published in 1819. The book published in 1819 was called The Vampire. This book was written by a man named John Polidori during a ghost story writing competition against a woman he had been completely infatuated with. On the night of this competition, John created one of the most famous vampire books in existence, and the woman that he was infatuated with was Mary Shelley, the mother of science fiction, and on that night she created Frankenstein. It's amazing that two of the most famous creatures in horror history were created on the same night. Although the vampire is the first popular published telling of vampires, it still isn't the origin of this monstrous creature. The 
vampire has actually been found to date all the way back to ancient Greece. Of course, they weren't exactly the same as the vampires that we think of now. They do have a ton of similarities though, but we'll get to that later. I want to talk about the differences first. For instance, they weren't called vampires back then. They were known as a creature called Ricolaca. Ricolacas were more of a beast than a man who had turned into a vampire. Imagine a hairless wolf with pale white skin, huge saber-tooth-like fangs, a human head, and hairy palms. Vampires as we know it suck blood from people's necks to survive, but the story back then was that they ate flesh, like full-on parts of people. So if they ate flesh instead of biting people, how did new vampires appear back then? One of five ways, actually. You were either a person who lived a sacrilegious life, which means you lived a life that went against the Bible and stuff. Someone who answered a vampire's knock at the door. If you were buried in ground that wasn't consecrated, you could become a vampire or a ricolaca. Or you ate lamb that a wolf or a werewolf had killed. You could even become a vampire or a ricolaca by being excommunicated. Boy, there were a lot of ways to become a vampire back then, and it definitely wasn't cool to become one like it is now. These days, if you were to become a vampire, you'd still be you, but with fangs, superhuman abilities, and an insatiable hunger for blood. Although the Ricolacas weren't very nice to look at, they sure did leave a mark on society. Not only did they eventually inspire one of the most timeless monsters in history, but they haven't been forgotten. Take the super popular tabletop adventure role-playing game Pathfinder, for example. In Pathfinder, there is a creature called the Ricolaca that closely resembles the ancient Greek creature we just learned about. As for vampires in modern media, you can find them everywhere from movies like What We Do in the Shadows by Taika Waititi, to comic books such as 30 Days of Night by Steve Niles, and TV shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have definitely left their mark on the world and continue to inspire creators every single day. Whether this creature is real or not is still up for debate in many communities. Rest assured that they'll always have a home here with us below the forest floor. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you all next week when we find out the origins of Cropsey.